This is part two of our series, Why Would God Want to Become One of Us? So what do we learn about the Father from the Son so far in our first lesson? That we will never get closer to knowing the Father than through Jesus. If you decide to move past a Jesus kind of relationship to get to know the Father better, you can't. If you decide, I don't care about Jesus, but I want to know God, you won't. So if you are looking to move past Jesus to God, good luck. You will never know him. And if you stop short of Jesus and your relationship with him, so to move closer to God, you won't. So this part two today, we will be looking at the narrative of Jesus and glean comes some of the qualities about God that we've learned from the Son. And in John chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And since this young man was born blind, he might have had eyes but couldn't see at birth, or he might not have had eyes at birth, and there are just two void, empty areas there where his eyes would have gone. But the thought of the day that someone who was born like this, there had to be sin that caused it, either by him in the womb or by his parents or some relative. This, does, this just doesn't happen without sin being involved. If there's a bad thing, it's the result of sin. That was the mindset back then. Today, people might come to the same conclusion. When something happens that is not good, it's because it was bad, because I was bad. Have you ever wondered what your suffering is, you know, is actually your fault? Maybe you're not, maybe not directly related to something you did, but as an adult, you're thinking back on your college years or maybe your high school years, and because things are not going well now for you, that God is punishing me now in this adult life for the sins of my youth. And the assumption is if bad things are happening, then it must be my fault. And then kind of the witch hunt begins and confessing everything we could ever think of that we've done, hoping I confess the right wrong thing, and life gets better. But here's what Jesus says in his response to their, their question. He answers, says, Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So it, neither, Jesus says, it's nobody's fault. We want to see the results. You know, this is not the result of sin, either from him or his parents or anybody else. Yet the work of God should be revealed in him. And here's, here we go with what is God like. And it's going to be displayed in demonstration. In other words, Jesus was saying what God is like is this. Pain has a purpose. The reason this guy was born blind is that God is up to something. Pain and suffering are not always the result of sin or someone's direct sin. It could be, but Jesus is sharing something about the Father, and it's this. Pain has a purpose. So understand, God doesn't just punish in pain, but God has purpose in pain also. In verse 4 and 5, it says this, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light unto the world. It's day. It's my time on earth. As one of you, amongst you, living with you, I need for you to see I am the light unto the world, and I'm revealing in this day when I am here with you, the Father. I'm only here for three and a half years to show you and demonstrate to you God and what he's like. And what God is like is this. In our pain, he has a purpose that will bring him glory. It's not that you did something wrong or something bad or karma because of this bad thing, but understand the Father in heaven has a purpose in your pain. And you see that and you glory in him in that. You've come to an understanding of God, a closeness to God 
that would never come except through Jesus Christ. Verses 6 and 7. <clears throat> then he had said these things. He sped on the ground, and he made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind men with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Shalom, which is translated sent. So he went, washed, came back, seeing. Here's what we learn about God, that we would never know about God except through Jesus, that God doesn't always heal the same way. But let's take this out even further in the characteristic of God. Nor does he always do something the same way or communicates the same way. Why? Because every person in every situation, every relationship is different. And here's what we need to know about God. What the Father communicates to us by way of Jesus is this. You can't put God in a box. In other words, this is the way God always works. This is the way he worked in my Uncle Henry's life. This is the way he worked in my friend's life, in my spouse's life. This is the way God, I want him to work in my life. This is the way I want to see him do his work in my life. Listen, that's not true of God. That's not what, and that is what Jesus is communicating to us. Yet the most frequent miracle we do see in the Gospels that Jesus performed was the giving of sight to the blind. Jesus healed the blind by way of his words spoken, by way of laying hands on them. He even spit into one guy's eye and healed him. But why was mud used to heal this guy? Well, listen, all other blindness was made blind that Jesus healed. But this was congenital blindness, which is he was born blind. This was a creative miracle, not a restoration miracle. Creation was involved. Sight had to be created for this man to see. There was no sight in this man. He may have been born with no eyes, no tendons, no electric probes, just the big voids right there. So Jesus had to create. And so Jesus uses mud, dirt, clay over his eyes as a sign he is the creator. And once again, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Every person, every situation, every relationship is different. And because of that, God might not heal or do or communicate the same way or the way you want him to. God is not confined to a box. And unfortunately, religion confines God to a box because religion does not know Father God because Jesus is left out. In verse 8, it says, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen, had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, well, he is like him. And he said, I am he. And he goes on to say, therefore, they said to him, then how were your eyes open? And he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. And then they said to him, well, where is he? He said, I do not know. See, these folks are trying to track this whole thing of this guy and who, you know, who the, he really is from his, who was born from, uh, who was blind from birth. And notice, there's some people say, well, that's the guy I know. But others people saying, no, that's not the guy. He looks like the guy. It can't be him. And of course, he has to pipe up and say, listen, I am he. And listen, you, you know where you go. I don't know what he looks like. You want to know where he is. I don't even know what the guy looks like. I was blind when he healed me. And then after that, it says in verse 13, and they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisee. This was required. If somebody was healed, it had to have confirmation from the religious establishment to confirm it was of God. This wasn't a big deal. Everybody did it. Whenever a good thing happened, a miracle took place, you know, you go to these guys because these guys know this is of God and they'll just confirm it for you. But in verse 14, it says, but now 
It was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay in my eyes and I washed and now I can see at this point. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others say, well, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was division amongst them. And so the conclusion is this guy, Jesus, is not from God. This miracle is not from God. It can't be from God. And so because, you know, because that's what religion does. It puts God in a box. But then somebody says, wait a minute. How can a man who's a sinner who violates the Sabbath do such a thing? You know, questioning the religious brought on division at that particular time. We'll skip it on down in verse 28. It says this, and then they reviled him, that was the blind man, and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. And the man, born blind, answered and said to them, why this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he, Jesus, is from, yet he has opened my eyes, now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. And since the world began, it has not been unheard of anyone opening the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said to him, you are completely born in sins and you are teaching us. And they cast him out. So this young man is making sense. This is an incredible thing. And you guys don't know this man who opened my eyes. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And here's the religious leaders come back. <laughs> you know, they call him a name, they call him a sinner, and they kick him out. That's when you know you've lost the argument completely because he makes a lot of sense. And when you box God into a box, then, you know, it doesn't play out to its logical conclusion. And that's what he's bringing it to. This man has to be from God for something this wonderful to happen. But here's what we learned from the son about the father. God extends mercy beyond theology. Every theological system, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, uh, Krishna, Buddhism, Hinduism, every theological system puts caps and collars on God's mercy. Basically, every theological system puts a lid or bookends on God's mercy. Jesus made it clear that God the Father's mercy flows over any theological system. Once again, no one is outside of the bounds of God's mercy. To mistreat another person is to meet, mistreat someone who was made in God's image. To mistreat someone in the name of religion doesn't know God the Father. If you are thinking in their theology that they can mistreat somebody because they are violating theology or religious rules, they know not God. Jesus told us to pray for our enemies. We don't even pray for our friends sometimes when they ask us or our spouse. Yet Jesus said we are to pray for our enemies. He went on to say, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And then he went on to say, and if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Once again, no one is outside of the bounds of God's mercy. So, have we moved past Jesus so to grow deeper in our relationship with God? If we have, then this is something, for the most part, we don't do. We don't bless those that curse us. That's mercy. 
We don't pray for those that use us. That's mercy. We don't forgive trespasses of others. That's mercy. You see, keeping the Sabbath, your theological system, is more important than showing mercy to a man born blind. And all you can say when you lose the argument is get out sinner to him. They totally missed it. Listen, when Jesus heard about this guy being tossed out, here's what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said when he heard this. He said, when Jesus heard that he got cast out, and when he had found him, he said to him, do not, do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered, said, who is that Lord that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and he is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And so Jesus went on a manhunt to find this guy. That is how much he cares about him. Not just showing mercy to him and healing him, but to give him a chance to believe. And when Jesus finally found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of God? And you have to understand, remember, this guy was blind. He'd never seen Jesus. Even after he washed the mud off of his eyes, Jesus was gone. So he didn't know Jesus, but he knew that voice. And when he heard, do you believe in the Son of God? I know that voice. I know that voice. And so here's what's important. Understand today why God became one of us. To reveal what God is truly about. What we learn about the Father God from the Son is what we have here is this, that there is no bounds to his mercies. And if you go back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, you know that to be true because God says, thou shalt surely die. That was his word, and that word is true. That was his theology, so to speak. But immediately after Adam and Eve sinned, God put in a plan where they wouldn't die, that they would. he showed mercy to them by promising Messiah to come, that he would come and he would die in their place. So that's true. There is no bounds to his mercy. Even when God said, you shall surely die, he went on a hunt to show mercy and show them that I will give it to you, even though that was said. So God goes beyond the grounds of religion, beyond the grounds of theology. You can't put God in a box.